This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Weirdos, welcome back to another episode of History for Weirdos with your favorite co-hosts in the entire world. Yeah, that's us. That's us. You, me. You, mean Dupree. Dupree, yeah. <laughs> we always say that to each other, but... There's no Dupree in our no lives. There's no Dupree, yes. So, by the t- as of this recording, yeah. we're just about to leave for Hawaii. Yeah. And we're so stoked. And we said that last week as well. Yeah. So, weirdos, you're getting some behind-the-scenes information here. This is not our. This is our first time recording two episodes in one day. It is. Yeah. Maybe since like the very, very beginning. Yeah, we may have like the first maybe five episodes somewhere in there done too, but since then we haven't. It's yeah. not typical for us. We tend to do one a week. Exactly, and so I mean that was well over a hundred episodes ago. It's wild how quickly that flies by. It does. It does. But yeah, earlier today we recorded your amazing episode on Abraham Galloway, mm-hmm. and today we're recording my amazing episode on You Shall See. And uh, well, I guess the weirdos listening already know. Yeah, I mean, if you listened to the full episode last week, you already know what this episode's about. And if you can read the episode title. For this one well yeah that, <laughs> i we always forget that yeah like it's in literally in the title and it, we always feel like it's a big surprise <laughs> what we're covering <laughs> for know. the week it's not at all you but guys are like not. we know what it is weirdos so right now in la there's a storm flood warnings it's wild and we are very excited to be escaping to hawaii we're escaping to hawaii we're gonna get sunshine we're gonna get i'm gonna get killer waves mm-hmm. it's gonna be awesome yeah okay so Right before we or before we start your episode, yes, I just wanted to let you guys know that we are starting a Patreon. We said this last for last week's episode. Woo-hoo. We're saying it again. We are launching February nineteenth, President's Day. It's also my birthday. Yeah, very important day. I'll be turning thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two. Ah. <laughs> back to the Patreon page. Your oh, yeah, existential back. crisis can wait. Existential crisis can wait. Okay. Yeah. Back to the Patreon. You'll be able to see content that you'll be able to see nowhere else mm-hmm. in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Only on our Patreon, including mm-hmm. the video. So as I'm saying this right now, you could be watching the vi- video Yeah. of the episode. So we'll have full length videos. We'll have bonus content. Um, we want to interact a lot with you all on Patreon. We're going to have like little mini-sodes that are only going to be available there. Right. So definitely, definitely check it out. It's going to be awesome, guys. Yeah. I promise. Okay. So without further ado, Stephanie, tell me what's going on. 
Well, in this week's episode, we are unraveling the story of one of the most mysterious, but I think highly recognizable women in history, the Queen of Sheba. It's so interesting to me because this is one of, or like, she's one of those characters Mm -hmm. that is constantly referenced, but we don't know, like, I don't know the first thing about her, but I have heard her name a million times, very much so until recently. Uh, about like Croesus, right? Like mm-hmm. Rich's Croesus. Oh. But most people don't know who Croesus was. Yeah, that's a good that's a good example. Yeah. Um and today, if someone says, Who do you think you are? The Queen of Sheba. Right. It makes it seem like you think you're very pretentious, maybe, or like you're better than them. Yes, I'd I'd say pretentious. Yeah. But the Queen of Sheba was not known for a superiority complex. <laughs> um she was known for her immense wealth and her wisdom. Okay. So I think that's where like the bougie reputation comes from. She was very, very rich. Ooh, so like Croesus. Yeah. Very rich. Exactly. Wow. So today we are going to go on a journey through biblical and historical realms as we answer this question, who was the Queen of Sheba? I don't know. Well, you got to tell me. Who is she? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm here to do. And guess what? Um, There's a lot we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that amazing with ancient history? There's always stuff we don't know. There's so much stuff we don't know. We do know that the Queen of Sheba is a figure first mentioned in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Our accounts of her have actually really interesting different origins from Jewish, Islamic, Yemenite, and Ethiopian iterations and retellings wow that's so it's going to be really hard to separate fact from fiction i'm guessing at this point but please please set that expectation because it is very hard <laughs> yeah it's a lot she she is very culturally significant to a lot of groups and yet some of the accounts have a lot of overlap and some don't right um that's just the way it works so we are definitely going to be trying to pick apart what we know and what we don't know so yeah myth and reality is Mm. really interwoven yes absolutely she her story the queen of sheba is one of the most widespread legends i'd say throughout the middle east and north africa like this is something that a lot of people grow up learning about and yet again her the concrete facts around her are kind of unknown, but we're going to get into it. So our story begins in the ancient lands of the Arabian Peninsula and the Horn of Africa, where the Queen of Sheba, also known as Bilquis or Makeda, depending on the cultural reference, where she left her mark on history. And I have a little geography side note. Ooh, okay. Because I was like, what? Where is like I, the Horn of Africa? I actually hadn't heard that before. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big geography person. It's okay. We all should be. Yeah. We really should. This is our planet. We should know where things are. <laughs> but for, if anyone else hadn't heard that term before, I decided to write it down. The Horn of Africa is a peninsula on the eastern coast of Africa that juts into the Arabian Sea and curves around the southern portion of the Arabian Peninsula. It's also known... The Horn of Africa is also known as the Somali Peninsula because it contains Somalia and Eastern Ethiopia. Yes, I know exactly where that is. Mm -hmm. It's the fourth largest peninsula in the world. Wow. Fun fact. Don't ask me what one through three are. 
I don't know. That wasn't a part of my episode. It doesn't matter then. Stop harassing me, Andrew. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just like sitting here like <laughs> story time. You're like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, geography aside, going back to the Queen of Sheba, modern scholars believe that she came from the kingdom of Aksum. Aksum, yeah, it's like south of Egypt. Mhm. This would be more or less modern-day Ethiopia. Aksum was a very powerful and influential civilization. Or she came from the kingdom of Saba which sounds like Sheba, in Yemen. Oh, like across the strait. Mm-hmm. Or both. Oh, my God. Both countries, <clears throat> Yemen and Ethiopia, claim her as their own. And they both could be right because they're separated by 15 and a half miles of water. Correct. That's 25 kilometers. So it very well could be both, just... um Obviously, these borders are very modern mm-hmm. and wouldn't have applied back then. So it's kind of hard to tell. So historians' main clue when identifying her origins is that she brought bales of frankincense with her as a gift to King Solomon. And we're going to get to King Solomon wow. and the story in a little bit. But this that's what really helped folks narrow down the region she would have been from mm-hmm. because frankincense has been used specifically in Ethiopia in ceremonies for thousands of years. It's a gum resin obtained from a baswellia tree, which is native to Ethiopia. And even today, frankincense that is traded all over the world, most of it is going to come from Tigray, Ethiopia. Oh, wow. Even today. Even today. And they use the same practice for creating frankincense as they would have done in the Queen of Sheba's time. Oh my God. They do it all by hand. Do you know the time frame of Queen of Sheba? Yeah, it's about 500 BC. Okay, so like kind of end of archaic and going into cla- the beginning of classical. Yes. Okay. BC or BCE? Is yeah, the new? either one. Yeah. The new one, because back in my day it was BC. Back in my day it was only <laughs> BC, not just BCE. Yeah. <laughs> I still say AD and BC, honestly. Yeah, it's hard to well according to to adjust. It is, and also it, both are actually correct according to like the international um, standards mm-hmm. of something or another. So. Yeah, international standards of something. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It's funny. It's like a, a typically applies to like business, like your um, especially European business practices, and there's like a certain set of standards, and I literally forgot what they're called, hmm. but. According to those set of standards, you can use either one. So BC, BCE, or AD and CE. CE yeah. Right? Okay. I'm That's old good. school. I'm AD, BC, baby. I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> so as I mentioned, regarding the Queen of Sheba, multiple religions, cultures, nations have their own version of events. Therefore, it's impossible to get the story totally right. It was also so long ago. Because no one knows exactly what's what when it comes to her story. So bear with me, weirdos. We're going to, like I said, peel back the layers of myth and reality. Um, and we're going to jump into her story. Nice. And fun fact, she's only mentioned in the Bible twice. Really? Even though her name is so famous, she's only mentioned twice. Um, and in this account, the Queen of Sheba hears of a very wise king 
a king who's known for his wisdom and she has to meet him right oh yeah so she journeys to jerusalem at the head of a camel caravan which just looks sounds so cool bearing gold jewels and spices like frankincense to meet the legendary israelite king solomon this account describes her as a queen of immense wealth, wisdom, and beauty. It's also thought that this account was written 500 BCE. <laughs> it's so funny. In my notes, I even put before the common era or before Christ. Either one. <laughs> Either one. And King Solomon is a familiar name to many. What do you think of when you think of King Solomon? I think of like the wise ruler who's like, you know, who... who presides over judicial cases Mm -hmm. who ironically there's even a term i think like king solomon's dilemma where you're really good at solving other people's problems but you're notoriously awful with your own life oh because he had such a sordid like personal life he had like hundreds of wives yeah he was a messy man that's (laughs) disgusting dude that's gross it's unnecessary that's, that's so absurd like roman emperors never did that garish of stuff like, yeah you tell them babe. I mean, yeah they ruled over the entire mediterranean is it oh my gosh my sunday school brain is like itching is it king solomon also that saw a woman bathing on a roof and was like i have to have her but she was already married so he sent her husband to the front line i, I think it that is was king david oh that would have been his dad then really mm-hmm. oh wow it goes saul david solomon Ew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you, this is like ancient history that you know better than I. Because of Catholic school. Of Catholic That's school. right. <laughs> it came in handy, I guess. So he is, he was, was and is known for his wisdom. He also built the first temple in Jerusalem. Um, he was also the second after his father, David, and last king of a unified Israel. So he's a big deal. Yes. And it was at, Israel was at the height of its power during his reign. So he was a big deal, really smart guy, lots of wives. He had a lot going on. He had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And given her wealth, at the very least, like I assume power as well, because the two tend to go hand in hand, We historians do believe that Solomon would have known of the Queen of Sheba as well and known of her reputation of being very wealthy and wise. So... Once she arrives, she's getting off this camel caravan with all of these like bougie gifts and just like making a grand entrance. She engages him in a series of riddles. She wants to test this wise king and see how smart he really is. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's her whole mission. And she's like, I I don't buy it. I want to see for myself. So she travels from presumably Ethiopia, modern day Ethiopia to the Levant. Yeah just to just to test this guy <laughs> man i mean that's a perilous journey guys like yeah that's a perilous back journey then. back then so it's kind of wild honestly yeah that is really that's a really good point to make because in a long journey like that on camel no less you could have an accident you could get sick so many things could happen yeah i mean disease there's marauding bands yep. of raiders I oh mean, and you're carrying armies. all these jewels with you exactly mm-hmm. i mean also you know you're marching through egypt like they might be like hey 
I like this. <laughs> it's mine now. Yeah. Also, around this time, Persia is like on its ascendancy. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're in. This is. She must have been, I think, one, really intrigued, and two, probably very well guarded. Yeah. I uh, don't think this would have been like on a whim. I think this would have been a very big deal that she made this trip. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, again, she asks him a bunch of riddles and questions, and luckily for King Solomon, he answers to her satisfaction. She's She deems him the wise king that he is known to be. You are worthy. You are worthy. And according to the Quran specifically, he teaches her about his God while she's there because he believes in one God. Right. And she becomes a follower of his God. That account is, to my knowledge, only in the Quran. And both the Quran and an Ethio- and the Ethiopian account that I'll get to later also say, say that she stayed with him for six months. She went and stayed for six months to, essentially, it was kind of like an intellectual exchange, like to learn from each other. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that really interesting? That is very interesting, actually. Yeah, a king and a queen just being like, wow, you're really smart. No, you're really smart. Wait, let's hang out. I know. I feel like they're they're almost having like a, a think tank or something. Oh my gosh, yes. A think tank. There's yeah. one in Santa Monica where I grew up. Brand? Yeah, it's a big one. Fascinates me. I'm always like, what are they doing in there? You're just doing a lot of thinking. Just thinking. You're just doing some thinkings. I know. As a kid, I was like, that sounds like a great job. We just get paid to think. Yeah. If you you think all the time, all you have are thoughts. Mm, There's some philosophy right there, guys. Maybe. I don't know. So let me get into this Ethiopian account of the Queen of Sheba a little bit more because this their story, this is where their story differs from the other religious texts that we have. So according to the Ethiopian tale, on the last night of her visit, uh, after these six months of hanging out together, King Solomon tricks her into his bed. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't want to know the details. That was not cool. So, in a not chill way. It sounds not chill, at the very least. Okay. He tricks her into his bed, and of course, what happens? What do you think happens? She gets pregnant? Yeah. So, you know, she has his 101st kid. (laughs) His 101st kid. Dude, man. That's so gross. It's so disgusting. And this is how some Ethiopians believe that this like Judeo monotheistic belief system came to their country. And then Christianity was later introduced to Ethiopia for sure by the fourth century, which is wild, very early, very early on early religion still. And the Ethiopian Orthodox church is one of the oldest organized Christian bodies to this day. It is. That is correct. So it sounds like, monotheism predates christianity possibly in ethiopia yeah that's wild i know that is actually pretty pretty isn't wild. that really interesting yeah so the queen is pregnant she got tricked we don't like it <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> biblical like it's very biblical yeah. mm-hmm. and she returns to her kingdom where she has a son solomon's son uh menelik menelik the first and he was made king, 
of course. And thus, this would have founded the royal Solomonic dynasty of Ethiopia. Wow. Okay. This dynasty ruled from Menelik I until the deposition of Haile Selassie in 1974. Are you kidding? No. Isn't that wild? I'm having trouble wrapping my head around that honestly i mean obviously the this part is really it's a really big part of ethiopian cultural identity is actually the queen of sheba's story this is a part of so much of how they orient themselves and who they are and where they're from um Wait, so that means according to Ethiopians, they had like an unbroken lineage of 2,500 years. Yes. Also, Bob Marley was a big fan of Haley Selassie. Yes, because he was Rastafarian. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really liked each other. I was looking him up. He was a a very interesting, controversial figure. Bob Marley? No, (laughs) Haley Selassie. (laughs) I was like... What? It's also very fitting I'm wearing this sweatshirt. Yeah. Gives off good Bob Marley vibes. Very Bob Marley. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I don't know how accurate that is. Obviously, the beginnings of that dynasty. But if that's accurate, that's insane. I I can't believe that's accurate. I don't believe that, honestly. But if it were true, you're right. That would be insane. That's I, I don't even have the words for it because that's like, it's insane. That's absurd. Mm-hmm. 2,500 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Oh, all right. That's all starting with the queen of Sheba. Wow. Mm-hmm. However, biblical narratives aren't the only sources we have about her. Uh, the earliest Jewish post-biblical account of the queen of Sheba was written by a Romano Jewish historian. Josephus. Yep. Flav- I knew it. Flavius Josephus. Yeah, first century. Damn. He knew. I know my Romans, baby. So a little bit about Josephus, which you may already know all of these things. <laughs> it's okay. He's best known for writing the Jewish War. Yeah. Um, that was the historical account's name. He was born in Jerusalem, which was then a part of the Roman province of Judea to a father of priestly descent and a mom who claimed royal ancestry. I feel like a lot of moms do that, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. They're just like, oh, yeah, royal ancestry. Oh, oh. That sounds good. Sounds great. <laughs> but who knows? So he initially fought against the Roman Empire during that uh, first Jewish-Roman war. And he was a general of the Jewish forces of Galilee, until surrender in 67 AD to the army led by Vespasian. Yes, who was not the Roman emperor at the time, but would be in a few years. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Josephus claimed that the Jewish prophecies that initiated this first war referred to Vespasian as becoming a Roman emperor. In response, Vespasian was like, I like you. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, man, you're going to be Roman emperor. Okay. The prophecies say so. And he was like, you can hang around. So he kept Josephus as his slave and his interpreter. Right. And slave at this point in time uh, could mean a 
A lot of different a things. A lot of different things. Like there were slaves that lived better than 99.9% of Roman citizens mm-hmm. because of like who their benefactor was. In this case, Vespasian, who interestingly enough, it, it, it's very interesting he said this because all of the emperors at this point in time yeah. were, had a connection to either Augustus or Julius Caesar. Right. So they were considered like quote unquote royal, right? Romans didn't like monarchy, but they were the closest thing without being They had it. kind of noble blood. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Vespasian, he was just like this a commoner. Yep. And I mean, you can win a lot of stuff by the sword. That's very true. That's and especially true. in the ancient world. And he and he heard this man say, that's what's going to happen. That's what my culture's prophecies say. And he's like, you're my new bestie. <laughs> you're my new bestie. I love it. <laughs> We're going to hang out and you're going to interpret stuff for me. Yeah, that was very wise by Josephus, even if he was full of, you know, you know what. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so Vespasian does become emperor in 69 AD and he grants Josephus his freedom. My man. Yeah. I like Vespasian. Underrated yeah. emperor. You think so? Absolutely. And Josephus assumed the emperor's family name, Flavius. That's Smart. how um, yeah, close they were, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it would have positioned him very well as a new free person. Yeah, that was quite common. Mm-hmm. Hence, Flavius Josephus. That's like such a badass name, honestly. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he writes about the Queen of Sheba... And I just thought that his story was also really interesting. So I had to go on this little tangent. But in his written history called Antiquities, which is so funny to think about that they think of these things as antiquities. um, He takes a little bit of a narrative detour on the Queen of Sheba, (laughs) which I think was common for historians back then to kind of weave in their own thoughts or ideas into a story is that accurate absolutely i mean polybius he was a second century bc uh greco-roman author he was also like a very well-to-do slave of a a, like a famous roman family and he wrote his whole thing he wrote like the history of Rome from like two like kind of the 220s to like the 170s yeah and like a 50-year period and basically his audience were fellow Greeks explaining why he thinks that the Romans were on this crazy ascendancy how they went from like semi-barbarians mm-hmm. to masters of the Mediterranean mm-hmm. um, so, so it was like his opinion it was his opinion right and he I mean he makes good points and I, I understand where he's coming from but at the same time it's not just strictly history he's, yeah He's giving his interpretation as well. Yes, that's definitely what's going on with Josephus as well, because he is weaving the Queen of Sheba's tale for Greek and for a Greek and Roman audience. Yeah. Um, and here he emphasizes that she's not just a queen, but she's a philosopher queen. Ooh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that her her kingdom spanned what we would know today as Ethiopia and Egypt. So he like extended it wow it doesn't seem like the egypt part would be accurate at all but again that's just like what he threw in there right um and josephus's take isn't in alignment with uh, a lot of the jewish and islamic legends but it left a really big mark on the christian tradition of her very surprisingly mm-hmm. yes So the impact of this Romano-Jewish historian's interpretations has in itself stood the test of time, influencing how she's perceived. That's kind of where we get 
the emphasis on her wisdom as well, like her wisdom matching Solomon's wisdom Mm -hmm. is through him, through Josephus. That's really interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then around the year uh, 216 CE slash AD is how I wrote it. (laughs) An early Christian scholar called Oregon of Alexandria. His name's Oregon? Yeah. I actually don't know this guy. Yeah, Oregon of Alexandria wrote an entry on the Song of Songs, which is a Hebrew collection of poetry, kind of like how in the Bible there are psalms, which are poems and songs. So this is Song of Songs, Hebrew collection of poetry, and it focuses on love and sex within a marriage, specifically. Um, And this is where... Very good Christian. (laughs) Yeah. And this is where the Queen of Sheba comes up in these writings... And in it, um, Oregon calls, claims that the Queen of Sheba was, quote, beloved, black, and beautiful. <laughs> That's actually really cute. I love that. That would be a really good shirt. I know. Right? Weirdos. All of these ideas. Take them. <laughs> They're yours. They're yours. I know. That, that could be like kind of like a second value proposition of our podcast. You get to like <laughs> listen to us rant about history and, you know, maybe just like pepper you with like random facts that you can tell your friends at dinner parties, yeah. slash regular parties and business ideas. There you go. Creative <laughs> ideas here that we would not partake on ourselves. Guys, it's history for weirdos. Yeah, be weird make stuff I'm so, man, I love it be weird make stuff I like that a lot another one guys another one <laughs> and another one and lastly I want to go back to how I mentioned that the Queen of Sheba um, regarding the lastly in terms of regarding the legends right um, the Queen of Sheba is an important figure in Ethiopian national identity it's because her story is weaved into the national epic slash foundation story of Ethiopia and it's called glory of king so this is a story that everyone would know and this is where she's referred to as Makeda specifically and this is where we learn about her role in the founding of the Solomonic dynasty through her son Menelik wow okay yeah that's very interesting yeah isn't that really interesting yeah in terms of, I was looking into archaeological evidence around the Queen of Sheba to better pinpoint maybe where she would have been from or any information we could glean. And unfortunately, despite her fame across cultures and across time at this point, there's no concrete archaeological evidence of her. The archaeological evidence that I found, it just lends credence to the wealth and power of Aksum. Mm-hmm. which was built in 400 BCE and it really flourished in the 6th century when the Queen of Sheba is believed to have ruled there. 6th century BC. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Aksum, researchers have uncovered inscriptions and artifacts that really just highlight how sophisticated their civilization was. It is. It's very underrated civilization. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it prior to doing research into her. I knew it, but only tangentially related to Egyptian culture. Mm. And then also Roman, because there was... Augustus had some contact with Axum. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Mm -hmm. Look into that more, babe. I'm interested. (laughs) There actually is a very good story there that I, I might... I might do in the future. Oh, really? Yeah. You heard it here first, weirdos. You heard it here first. (laughs) 
Um, and of course, in Ethiopia, people strongly believe that this civilization is associated with the legendary queen, that that was her civilization, but we don't actually have concrete evidence. It's like no one wrote her name down on a wall or something that's still there. Isn't that frustrating? Yeah, it's really frustrating. So much of what I think is interesting, though, to kind of like reframe the frustration, I think it it's interesting to see the power of story because mm-hmm. even when physical evidence crumbles, it's amazing to me that humans are able to pass down stories over thousands of years. Right. No, that's absolutely. I mean, stories really drive... I mean, stories drive narrative. I mean, they are kind of the same. But, mm. I mean, stories really, really... I don't know, just, I guess, transcend time. Yes. I mean, even in business, right, there's the saying that, uh, like, f- like facts tell, stories sell. Mm, yes, yes. And it's because I think it just goes back to our caveman days. Yeah, where- when we're all just sitting around like, it's dark, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Sit around the campfire, tell each other stories. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that bonds us, makes us feel like we're a part of something. Correct. And that's, I think, why obviously so many great civilizations like Aksum or like Rome have very interesting foundation stories. Right. Even fantastical at times. Even fantastical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. So overall, the Queen of Sheba remains a very mysterious and multifaceted figure. Her story has transcended religious and cultural boundaries, which I think is so cool. And it's, she's obviously captivated the imagination for a very long time. And dear weirdos, whether you envision her as the biblical queen, a wise ruler, the Ethiopian queen, or a blend of all of these things, her legacy really endures. And that's what I think is so cool. It's so cool. And that wraps up this episode on the Queen of Sheba and her mysterious and yet very impactful tale no incredibly impactful i mean it is is interesting and these are you did a great job because these stories are really hard to tell because it's like where do you separate fact from fiction it's impossible and people are writing these things down so much later after the fact because they're passed down through oral tradition first exactly which you can add to add things and that's we know for a fact that happened with um the iliad Oh, yeah. Like, it was first told probably, you know, at the very end of the Bronze Age and over the course of, like, 500 years, you know, you add some things because there's things, there there are, um, th- like, events that happen that are anachronistic. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, politics that go into that, too. Absolutely. Even modern-day politics, yeah. right? Like, claiming, oh, this ancient hero or this ancient, like, wise, you know, queen might belong to us might belong to someone else but we're going to claim her yeah because that gives us a source of legitimacy yeah and i hope something that i i I probably should have addressed this at the beginning i really um blended all the stories whether they were from the quran the bible from yemen from ethiopia not in any way to water down or be cause any offense but more so because that was what made most sense in presenting it was to just include all of them together Right. No, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. But if you're interested, my sources were really great <laughs> this week. For if you want to see like what um, culture 
claims what regarding the Queen of Sheba. There's the collector.com, uh, an article called Who Was the Queen of Sheba? Encyclopedia Britannica, the Metropolitan Museum of Art had really interesting information on her. And it, on YouTube, there was a documentary that the name is slipping my mind, unfortunately. I think it's the first one that pops up. It's longer and it's really cool because the host of the documentary travels to Yemen and Ethiopia and you see like uh, ruins from Aksum. You see them making frankincense. It was really cool. That is really neat. Yeah, so I'll look up the title so we could put it in the show notes at okay. the very least. Good, good. Yeah, I'm. I want to watch that actually. Yeah, I want to see how they make frankincense all by hand. So crazy. How? I don't how? even know. How? Yeah. Unreal. Well, again, thank you so much. That was an incredible tale. Thanks, I babe. The Queen of Sheba. Like I've heard her name a million times, but I couldn't tell you anything about her before this episode. Mm-hmm. Weirdos. If anyone's ever called you the queen of sheba or asked you if you think you're the queen of sheba let us know in the comments of this episode please do because i i have a feeling for a lot of us it's going to be something we heard from our grandparents yes again it's like kind of like like you you're as rich as croesus yeah it's just like an old-timey thing to say yeah i want to bring it back both of those bring them back baby yeah <laughs> okay well weirdos that's all we have for you this week you know the drill if you haven't followed us on instagram go ahead and do that man just go ahead and follow us. Also on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, yes. go ahead, follow us there as well so you're up to date with all the newest episodes. And that's it. Just do those two things and, and you're golden. Yeah, and you're good in our books. <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much, weirdos. Until next time. Until next time, weirdos. Adios. We did such a great job.